Welcome back to One Winning Pod, where the Baltimore Ravens, the 2022 Baltimore Ravens, will be playing in this year's postseason. They punched their ticket with a win over the Atlanta Falcons, 17-9, in a game that I think we can basically all agree at a macro level was exactly what we thought it would be. Uh, the Ravens' defense dominated, and the offense did just enough to back up that performance. But Ravens, they got two more games left to try and unseat the Cincinnati Bengals for the AFC North crown, but whether or not they're able to do that, they're in the postseason for the first time since 2020, so it's not like it's been a while, but I don't know about you guys. I'm excited to be watching some postseason football this year with the Ravens in it. I will be excited if Lamar comes back, which we need to talk <laughs> about later, but uh, <laughs> until that happens, not as excited, but but yeah, no, I mean it is. Uh, it's it's obviously good. Um, I, it's weird. Just uh, looking at the, at the AFC, I, I feel like a couple of surprises. Like the Ravens, not so much. I mean, obviously they've been in the driver's seat for most of the season as far as division lead. Um, not until basically last week did they, you know, secede that to. Um, sorry, cede that to uh, the Bengals. But, uh, you know, a couple teams rising up, uh, like the Chargers. I still can't believe that the Chargers are um, are, are actually in the playoff hunt. They locked their spot as well this week. That um, is wild. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then, you know, teams that we thought that, like, okay, would be on the bubble there or, like, probably guaranteed a spot. Teams like Miami, they're kind of collapsing. New England, uh, New York Jets as well. Um, yeah, so it's, you know, it's going to be interesting. The last couple of spots, I think there's probably still going to be some movement. And, you know, for the Ravens, obviously, you know, question of seeding and, you know, do they want to win the division? What's the best matchup? You know, if Lamar comes back healthy, what's the best matchup? You know, a lot of still question marks around, but it's good to just have a spot. For sure. I am very excited as well because I'm under the belief that if the playoffs were starting this week, Lamar Jackson would be available. I think he's getting to that point in his recovery where I fully expect him not to play this week against the Steelers, but I do expect that uh, <laughs> he, he could and will play in the regular season and uh, will most definitely make his appearance for the postseason. I feel like it's almost a lock and loaded at this point. Uh, obviously, setbacks can happen, but that's just my, my hunch on the situation with absolutely no information uh, other than, than hunch. But yeah, when you talk about this game, you're right, Peter. It was everything we expected. Coldest regular season game in Ravens history, which I still find a little hard to believe, but I suppose so. Uh, Chris and I were there, and our overall consensus was not that bad until the sun went away. And then when the sun <laughs> went away, it definitely felt cold. And, and and God bless us, man. I tell you, like it, it was somewhat intentional, uh, <laughs> but when we got tickets. I was pretty adamant that we needed to be on the not- shade side of the stadium because i imagine the shade side of the stadium was not nearly as happy all game long like it could have been a completely different experience because we had a pact we were like it's the holidays we don't want to get sick like if we're out there and it's starting to feel terrible like you know we we, we give ourselves permission to pull the ripcord and we we were looking at each other and like this is not as bad as we thought i mean we had the hot hands in our feet we had you know bazillion layers but it worked out pretty well what did you think chris yeah pretty good yeah i think next time uh try to find some heated socks or maybe add another layer in there. I think uh, that was by far the coldest part. Yep. But yep. Uh, I think the, you know, I don't want to toot my own horn here, but I think the hot cider before the game, I think, was like clutch. I a little Bro. bourbon in there, get us ready. Like, <laughs> it was a good time. <laughs> this man comes in with his three-liter thermos container and contraption thing. 
I came with the the bourbon. We had the chili. I mean, we were we we tailgated oh, right for this game. We had all the things to warm up the bones. <laughs> you guys were prepared. We had yeah, to I mean, we had to, you know, had to stay healthy, man. I didn't want to come home and then, you know, be <laughs> oh, sick yeah, on yeah. Christmas from, you know, staying in the cold and being. Oh, yeah. The wives would have killed us. Way more prepared than Steve Martin and John Candy in the broken down uh, car in the snow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great oh, movie if you guys haven't seen it, by the way. You know what I'm referencing? Yeah, it's uh, Planes, Trains, right? Plane Trains Automobiles, yep. Yeah, yep. yeah. It's a classic. Let's see, has Alex seen that movie? No. <laughs> oh, of course he hasn't. You got to watch it, man. <laughs> yeah, That's your homework for the week. You got to watch it. It's a great movie. It's a Thanksgiving movie, loosely, so not quite the season, but you should still yeah. watch it. It's a classic. All right, I'm going to tell Rachel right now. Yeah, Any, anything with that combo, especially John Candy. Yeah. yeah. So oh, gone way too soon. All right, two other storylines about the game from a top angle. This is really on brand for One Winning Pod. I, I think this is a very on brand start to a show for One Winning Pod. <laughs> but here we go. Black and purple. They broke out the black uniforms for this game? <laughs> I just don't get it, man. <laughs> like, I would have thought it would have been against the Steelers, even, you know, on a, uh, it, it, before it turned into a night game. But now it's just like, I think we blew our loyalty. We can't do it now. And we, we used it on Atlanta. I don't know. I, I You see, for me, the untrained aesthetic eye in myself says that the I feel like the black sh- jersey with the purple pants kind of plays well to the eye with the Falcons jerseys, but I don't know the purple pants and the with the Steelers uniforms on the field doesn't look good in my opinion. I feel like y- you got to have either the all black or or the classic purple and white. Uh, just the purple pants. I don't know. I'm also not the biggest fan of the black jersey, but with the purple pants combo, you either got to do with, with with the white or the all black. I don't know. The purple pants on the bottom just looks weird to me. Nowhere near as bad as the mustard pants or or the color rush, but yeah. I. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll see, man. We'll see. But you see, there's the other thing. They didn't know that it was going to be flexed at that point. So Yeah. No, you're right. It was one of those things I actually didn't really realize until the rewatch. I was like, wait, they were in bl- they're black jerseys. That's kind of strange. <laughs> I wasn't thinking yeah. about that. Well, I think, uh, you know, the win percentage of that, I think, has gone up. What was it? Only only a handful of times, I think, that they've worn that combo. But uh, at least the last couple of games, I think they've won them all. So, you know, hey, maybe that was a sign that they were hoping to really win that game, uh, keep the win <laughs> percentage high. But but we should we should move on a little bit, uh, talk about the actual uh, players of the game and the <laughs> offense. And so let's, let's we go into the offense. We haven't gotten to that at all yet, have we? <laughs> no, <laughs> we haven't. No, we haven't. So we got to get there. We hit playoffs. We hit uniform. We hit tailgating. And now we got to go into the offense. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you know, first thing kind of stood out to me, obviously, you know, run game continues to be really, really good. Um, it looked like the, they were trying to lean on JK in the first half. Um, I think he had a pretty strong half. Uh, at least for the most part. I think the Falcons did clamp down a little bit, maybe teetering toward halftime. I think JK had a few, you know, less, you know, under like three or four yards of carry just in, in terms of like the, the last couple of runs that he had to kind of bring his average down. But for the most part, I think the first half, he looked really great. Uh looked like the Ravens kind of switched it up and wanted to get Gus a little bit more involved in the second half. And uh, you know, Gus actually ended up almost hitting the hundred yard mark, uh, ninety nine yards, and had a whopping like I think nine yards per carry. Um, when it was all said and done, so you know, overall I think just really solid and, and kind of yeah, just like we talked about in the preview, they really took advantage of just the physicality of our offensive line, just bullying guys around on the Falcons. 
Yeah, it's great to have both these guys back in the fold. It certainly seems like what the Ravens really want to do is start out with JK, the the faster back, the shiftier back, and then, you know, not keep Gus on the sidelines, still work him in, but give him a a few more carries uh, in the second half and just really be that thumper at the end of games and wear down the defense. Uh, He's been great this year. Uh, It's it's crazy. Uh, His uh, prop line this week for rushing yards was it's set at 38 and a half, which was just uh, totally disrespectful. The guy's average, the guy has rushed for over 50 yards in all games that he's played in this year, with the exception of the game against Denver, uh, where, you know, before Christmas day, uh, the Broncos had one of the most fearsome rushing defenses in the league. Uh, so (laughs) yeah, man, uh, Gus, it's incredible. I, Love Gus. I just love this that this guy was an undrafted guy, and he's just come in here, and he's just transformed uh, his body and his game to really adjust to the league, and he just continues to keep chugging along. And like I said, we got J.K. Dobbins healthy. He's still had a great game, I think, on Sunday, even though he didn't break a run. was still very effective until the Falcons basically kind of figured out how to key in on him. But uh Once they were able to do that, then they just ran Edwards. So this two-headed rushing attack, uh, three-headed when we get Lamar back, is still looking strong. And hopefully uh, we can continue to keep defenses off balance with it because as much as we want this team to reach the echelon of the top passing attacks in the NFL, the reality is our our best card is this run game. Uh, Our best shot at, at putting up huge points is getting this run game uh, established and using that to complement uh, using the passing game to complement that and hopefully get some deep shots off play action uh, or uh, other ways like that other th- areas that the run's able to set that up so great to see this continuing to uh, be there week in and week out now that these guys are healthy and just hopefully we, we can continue to see it going Good observation about Gus Edwards maybe being the closer, given the fact of you know just his running style and teams being tired of tackling at that point, particularly after we've ran so many plays in a row. One kind of cool thing I'm looking at right now and looking at the year-long stats for the team is that J.K. Dobbins overtook Kenyon Drake in total yardage and has done so in 18 less carries. And Gus Edwards is basically one run away, <laughs> knowing him and his averages, maybe two, uh, from breaking Drake's. And that's, you know, let's say 11 carries before if we give him the two carries to get there. And um, and that's not even bad. Like, our, all our running backs, except for Mike Davis, actually have ran really well, uh, at least from a yards per attempt perspective. Justice Hill has also been at uh, 5.4 yards per carry, and he's... Um, the slow one almost. <laughs> Gus Edwards <laughs> at 5.2 and and Dobbins at 5.7. So really, really solid running performance by the, the three active running backs right now. And I think a lot of that has to go to the offensive line, which continued being incredible. We saw how these bigger bodies could just dominate the smaller bodies. And I think that was like one of the biggest pieces of the puzzle for the Ravens is they just knew they were bigger and they knew they could keep bullying them and eventually uh, they'd break. And that happened. One really cool thing I saw is that Morgan Moses is one of the top-rated tackles over the last two months. The guy played almost all the snaps in this game. He actually was out, I think, for maybe an equipment problem because it was only for two plays. Um, but yeah, he like he's been a good part of it. Stanley's been playing at a great level. Cleveland uh, was not available in this game, and that's because uh, you had Powers and um, 
Zeitler healthy and, and moving people off. I mean, it's just, it's so cool to think like, yeah, if we needed Cleveland or we needed Mose or Cologne rather, we needed McCarry, we would have probably still done all right. <laughs> like this line is just like so solid uh, top to bottom and with depth. Yeah. The, the holes that this line was opening up were, was spectacular. Um, and that, which was great to see because while, you know, the, the running backs certainly had holes against Cleveland, it wasn't quite as pretty as it had been uh, in the previous couple of weeks. And obviously we had Zeitler out. So it's great to have Zeitler back. Uh, he certainly made his presence known again. Once again, he was uh, excellent in blocking in the, the red zone, uh, had a key pull and, and a couple blocks on the two point conversion that Huntley ran up the middle. Uh, so yeah, this unit is way better than it was last year. We can continue to talk, look at how ways this team is in a better spot than they were last year when Lamar went down uh, this year. And run blocking is another area that it, you certainly can't overlook. Um, when you've got all five of those guys out there, Stanley, uh, Powers, Linderbaum, Zeitler, and, and Moses, they're all run blocking great this year. And, and, and the tight ends were seeing great blocking there too. Andrews and, and Josh Oliver of all guys has stepped up. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> when we're talking about the, how the running game can carry this team, it's not just the guys running the ball as good as they are. They're getting huge holes from these guys and it's just going to continue to keep rolling. Yeah. And they move in space so well. Um, tons of plays of just, you know, you, you see Zeitler and Moses moving, you see Stanley's and Powers moving, you just you see so many people pulling and just moving in space. And, you know, I think that's one of Moses, Moses's, uh, you know, biggest traits, I think, is he, he moves really, really well. Um, you know, just, yeah, it just adds a great element to the, the running attack. And it's, you know, def, it's, it's a little bit harder, I think, to kind of see because you're, see like different styles of running of like, you know, do you do gap? Do you do zone? Just because it, you know, you're kind of watching the O-line play and like what they're doing versus like watching the running back and then seeing what they do. Cause the running back is just reacting to however the blockers are kind of moving in front. But, but anyway, with, with everybody, you know, being able to move so well, I just, yeah, it really kind of helps open things up of just, you know, you can throw in gap here, you can throw zone here. I, I know it's something that the coaches have talked about. They've, you know, mixed things up more, that maybe they have in some years past, like 2019, for example, I think was primarily kind of gap scheme based. Um, but yeah, this year it, it seems like they can do a, a bunch of different things and it, it really kind of helps uh, change things up, especially with the you know passing attack being a little bit subpar at this point. It, it wasn't all bad with the passing attack as well. One other thing. So we talked about this uh, wide receiver touchdown streak finally ended. Marcus Robinson, of all people. Uh, was able to haul in the only touchdown of the day, and uh, it was it was pretty good. It looked like might have been overturned for a second, but I gotta say the uh, the view from the angle in the stadium definitely came down, definitely had control of it, and uh, you know it was upheld. Yeah, and, and great to see Robinson get it. That guy, he's been fighting all year. Um, he's been selling out in the run blocking again. <laughs> We can extend our discussion on run blocking to the wide receivers as well. Demarcus Robinson has been very good in run blocking and buying into the culture of this offense. And he's been rewarded with targets uh, every week and finally was able to get in the end zone. And great for him. I mean, sure, once again, it was against Atlanta. We know that our number one knock on, on Robinson is just that we need to see him make more plays consistently against uh, top competition, but you know, I still 
great play by him. Uh, it's really great to see that he was able to bounce back from a subpar showing against Cleveland and and have a good game uh, on Sunday. And and you love to see that. And we, like I said, we can't be picky with what we're getting from the wide receiver position right now. So it was great to see Robinson uh, get a touchdown catch and great to see uh, Sammy Watkins uh, returning to the Ravens and making a big play on his uh, re-debut, shall we say, his return. Uh, excellent job there to improvise uh, when Huntley rolled out to his right and to find a, a spot along the sideline where Huntley could hit him in stride and set up a big play to set up the first score today for the Ravens. Um, only one catch on the day for Watkins, but hopefully uh, the Ravens can work him back into the offense a little bit and he can be someone else they can the Ravens can rely on going forward because, uh, you know, they're going to need everyone they can get. And Sammy Watkins, I mean, I, I said it in the offseason. Other guys said it as well. I didn't mind the Ravens if the Ravens wanted to bring him back. Uh, the Packers ended up bringing him back. He didn't do terribly much in Green Bay. But uh, that said, we'll see. We'll see if he has anything left in the tank and can help a little bit at this playoff run because I – I, he's at least a veteran guy, and that alone could bring something to this offense in tight situations. Playoff Sammy. He's on our team. <laughs> I don't know if you guys noticed. He wears number 82 and has dreads. Last time we won a Super Bowl, we had a guy with dreads and wore number 82. I think he was the missing piece. So Could be. Let's, uh, let's just put it out there. This is a crazy stat, guys. So you mentioned it, Peter. Sammy Watkins, one catch for 40 yards. Demarcus Robinson, one catch. For six yards and a tutty. Deshaun Jackson. That's a big game in this offense. <laughs> Deshaun Jackson, two <laughs> targets, one catch for 10 yards. That other target could have been huge. Third down play would have been really nice. That's it. That's all the wide receiver targets. Four out of 17 attempts. Incredible that we broke the streak given that. Like, <laughs> and just a, such an interesting lens of our offense <laughs> to be able to say <laughs> the wide receivers accounted for not even. Uh, 25% of the <laughs> passing targets in the game. <laughs> just just putting that out there. Um, yeah, Mark Andrews with five. He had a, actually a pretty decent game, I think. You know, didn't take over anything too much, but he had a huge play on down the sideline and also another uh, first down conversion. So he um, came up big in a couple, in couple spots. Uh, emoted very... Uh, dramatically when he was missed on a touchdown um at one point in the game uh i think uh that part of the conversation might want to lead us into mr huntley um i kind of feel like we're being a dead horse and a horse that's won us three out of the four games that he's participated in (laughs) but uh yeah just really quite painful honestly to watch him play quarterback (laughs) I get a lot of anxiety whenever he holds onto the ball for longer than it takes to hand off a ball in a normal play. And <laughs> it's just like, I love the word, man. I think it's Chris, as I think he said at the game too. Reckless abandon. Like, he plays with so much joy, but also reckless abandon <laughs> that just like, oh, it scares me. Like, it just scares me the way he plays. It seems just almost childish if for lack of a better word and like the, the fumbles, some of the decision-making um, it just, it, I don't know, man, it's, it's weird. I feel like he's worse this year than last. And, and I know I've been saying that every week, but just like, I can't wait for Lamar to get back, but I also just want him to be healthy. So I allow it for one more game. 
yeah i'm kind of feeling the same like definitely the the team is in a better spot overall than we were last year right and, and there are a lot of i think there are a lot of reasons for that i think the resurgence of the run game kind of basically be, being the offense um, at least 90 percent of the offense i think that helps i think defense is definitely better this year which helps compensate for a lot of that stuff um but yeah i mean there's just you know a lot of you know just a lot of you know a lot of i don't know a lot of things that seem kind of obvious to just kind of looking at the field of just you know decisions of like oh okay you know maybe could have done that maybe it would have been a little bit better play or um you know just like the you know, ball general ball security or just like ball placement for certain things um Huntley struggled a little bit um you know and we we're talking about like wide receiver targets and and just like the number of completions and everything i mean a couple of them it just it seems like Huntley can't hit a seam route um there've been a couple of uh seam route uh, routes run by tight ends or a couple to uh, Oliver i think there may have been one to Andrews at some point and um, the balls need to be thrown inside the seams toward the center of the field. Uh, but Huntley puts them a little bit outside. And then, you know, tight end runs down and then can't adjust to it because it's on his other shoulder from the way that he's running. And then it's incompletion. I mean, we're fortunate, I guess, that, you know, there wasn't a safety back there to pick it off. It, it, it wasn't a negative play. Like, it's, it's a, I guess it's a safe throw from that perspective, but it is off target, right? It's, it's not something that can be completed. So there are a couple of things like that and just... You know, I, I thought, you know, another kind of element to this offense, which I, I hope we see a little bit more of, we probably should. Uh, we talked about Duvernay kind of being this, um, you know, uh, really nice role as this sort of like jet sweep option when he doesn't fumble the ball. We've actually had a lot of success with it. You know, we've been able to get some good runs in there, pick up first downs. Well, he's out for the year, so he's on IR. Isabella was that guy this game to be able to step in that role. And... uh you know, he was there as a decoy for pretty much the whole game. But, uh, you know, if, if I were Huntley, I would have given to him a couple times. Because I think, um, you know, Huntley was able to pick up a few yards, maybe like three or four yards like for each one. You have to look at the play. There were a couple of them that we sort of had Isabella run across the formation. And then Huntley would just keep it, pick up a couple yards. But you give it to Isabella and a couple of those. I mean, you pick up, you might pick up like 10 yards at least. Like some of them, like Isabella had tons of room be able to do that stuff so you know obviously he's new he, you know he had some issues i think lining up earlier in the game yeah. uh, just not sure what he was doing so like I, i'm sure there's a little bit of that but um i don't know man i would have i would have uh, liked to see huntley kind of uh you know give him a chance uh here or there um i think we could have had some really positive plays i agree with you chris because i was i watched those plays a little closely um and Bell, my my sleeper pick for who was going to be that guy <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'd be surprised if they called him up just for that, but like also maybe not, uh, particularly when they said they were committed to it and they thought they had the guys for it. I was like, I, I think Andy's the only one. The thing that's interesting, they ran it three times as far as I can tell because Andy was on, on three snaps. Uh, every time he was in, it was a total tell. We were going to at least motion him. One of the times, Huntley got a pretty good gain. One of the times, he did not. And, um, and that time he did not was the one in particular where it looked like if he handed it off, like, the whole defense had sold and uh, it could have been a big one. He only had one guy to beat and he, and he's fast. You know, you could definitely tell that Andy Isabella has the speed to pull this off effectively and be respected. So I hope that he is more involved next week. Cause I do think it looks like to me that this is a part of the offense. They want to keep around and they do 
think an elevation would be good enough. And, and kudos to Andy Isabella. I mean, like completely wrecked a guy on special teams. <laughs> so, you know, he, uh, he probably got a little bit of extra goodwill in the clubhouse for the special teams play and, and being able to contribute there. So I could definitely see him be a part of the roster for the long term. And I think getting him more up to speed and also like, you know, God willing, we could actually use him on something that's not just that play. It would also be a big win, right? Because <laughs> you know, maybe this was too short of an install this week. I don't know. He's been here for quite some time, but yeah, he was every time that they used him, he was using that capacity and it was a run play. It wasn't even just like a, a jet suite fake and then pass. So I think they need to be able to start layering more responsibility. Uh, otherwise it's almost a gimmick that like may work, but it just feels more gimmicky. I think it could be more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I, I agree. I think it, I did think it was interesting that he was just in there for that. Um, another angle to maybe consider is uh, along the same lines of why I think Lamar Jackson didn't even practice this week is that, like we said, the Ravens knew that they didn't have to do much to win this game. So why do more than get Isabella's feet wet in this offense and put a ton on film when you know you don't need to go that deep uh, to pull out the three scores, 13 points you need to get out of a win here? Maybe. I don't know. That's that's just me thinking about it from a, a positive yeah. standpoint of maybe we'll get more of of that later. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I, I do think that in this game, what we saw was the Ravens just try and, and be conservative in this game. Uh, we're going back to Huntley again. I, I think that the, the good, there was good and bad with his uh, spike games. We should say last year, the good was, Hey, this guy got to experience having some huge games in the NFL. Uh, the bad was it kind of elevated the expectations for him from the fan base, at least. And, and, and really, I think what he's done this year is really be, a backup quarterback. And what a backup quarterback is, is a guy who's just there to be the game manager, to, to just do enough to keep the team afloat until the main guy can come back. And sure, it didn't work out in Cleveland, but like like one of you said earlier, the Ravens are 3-1 and one with when Huntley has had to play extended time this year. That's great. Um, last week, from a statistical standpoint, not terribly better than uh, he was against Cleveland. According to ESPN, uh, he had a QBR of 12 against the Browns, only a QBR of 16 against Atlanta. But the big key to me here was zero turnovers. <laughs> and I could be wrong, but I don't remember recall uh, there ever being a play in that game where I felt like, oh, Huntley almost got picked there. He almost had a fumble. Look, man, that's the number one thing I want out of this guy when he's back there. We've got Dobbins and Edwards to be playmakers. You know, he, he can make a run here or there. He can make a throw here or there. And particularly when we're, we're talking about Pittsburgh next week, because again, he's an offense that's not going to be able to put up a lot of points. You know, Huntley, if, if Huntley has to play against Pittsburgh and he goes into that game and the Ravens win at 16 to 13, he's done his job for the year. He kept things alive for until Lamar got back. So I, I can understand, like, I want more from him. We all want more from him, but we also have to realize the guy was undrafted for a reason. He's a backup for a reason. He can play in the NFL, but there's a lot of guys who can play better than him. But so I think... You know, of course we want him to do better, but I think this guy has done the bare minimum of what his job expectation has been uh, during this time, and it's been enough to keep the Ravens uh, 
ship afloat until we can get Lamar back on the field. Hopefully that's still not a given. I agree with you. If we have to go into the playoffs with Huntley behind center, that is going to not feel great. But for right now, he's doing the job that he needs to do. And uh, I think the offense has, we've seen him do enough. Let's put it that way. Not against Cleveland, but they were able to get back on track enough against Atlanta. Have you guys looked at his passing chart this week? The guy only put through two of his passes to the left. Everything else was right of center. Uh, <laughs> and like, I just think that's really interesting. That's just a, a fascinating thing. And one of them was that overthrow over Andrews, the second play of the game, where Andrews had to calm down the already booing crowd at 1430. <laughs> People were already like had it with uh, with what was going on. Kind of crazy. Maybe the maybe the weather made people irritable, but uh, <laughs> yeah, like I, I that's just really interesting to me. But that the biggest thing you also see is that there were levels, um, a lot more passes past you know seven yards. Um, actually, over half I would say were um, were past the five yard marker, which uh, which previously was not a thing. You know, over over seven yards almost. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that that I think that really helped, and it, and it had completions too. It wasn't just like you know wasted attempts you got completions we got good yak out of that so i think hopefully if the line can hold up and give them him the time in the games that he's still around i hope that he still keeps pushing downfield i think it does make everything a little bit more dynamic for the team and uh yeah i guess i mean that's about all i have to say about huntley chris did you have anything else yeah i mean just you know i mean two just kind of two echo two things that you guys mentioned one of just Peter, your point about the game plan being a little bit more conservative overall, um, just because of the level of opponent. Definitely agree with that, because I think there were a few early fourth downs that probably in a more competitive game, Ravens go for it every time, but they decided to punt this game. And I remember actually talking to Alec about that during the game. Of like, okay, probably the game plan, be a little bit more conservative. Don't give this team any more attempts than they need, right? Because you don't want them to get a, a quick score and then put ourselves behind them. Uh, behind so um just wanted to follow up with that and then yeah for alec for you yeah just you know i I do agree with you i think an element of this offense like if you can get huntley to take some shots downfield make a couple completions um just find some routes to be able to get some guys open down there i think we need that i think the you know one area i think huntley you know could improve on like if if i had to look at one thing that i'd probably really want to improve on besides ball security on run plays (laughs) Um, they could like just like him to hold it a little bit closer. But besides that, in terms of as a passer, right? I think getting him to spend maybe like a half another half a second or a second through doing his reads, trying to find another option downfield. Um, you know, there was uh, I think one play, I think Mink actually shared this on Twitter of um one of the red zone plays um where Andrews gets open, there's nobody around him, but um, Holly doesn't see him. One, it was to the left side, which you brought up, Alec, of you know, not many completions to the left. <laughs> the literal uh, but blind two, I mean, side. But yeah, literally <laughs> yeah. the blind literally his blind side. But yeah, I mean Andrews was open, like as open as you could be, as open as he's ever going to be. Um, and you know, just spending the extra second to be able to look back and then, oh, let's go there. Like that's a touchdown. We're I mean, we're we need <laughs> we need these red zone touchdowns. And, uh, yeah, if there was an area that I think, you know, Huntley and uh, to be honest, like Lamar sometimes too, like, you know, this offense has been a little bit stuck in terms of red zone offense for a long time this season. So, um, 
yeah, if he, if I think if Huntley can kind of improve a little bit on that area, I think it'll be a little bit less scary. I think you'll see a little bit more um, completions downfield, probably some longer ones. And, uh, you, you know, you'll see the offense to kind of uh, get a little bit more chunk plays, right? We've, we know that this offense can, you know, when they're on schedule, they can use the run game. They can get up little chunks here and there. Sometimes you might break a big one. Um, but we don't have that, like, home run speed to be able to outrun everybody, to be able to get touchdowns that way. That's where you can use the passing game to kind of um, uh, supplement that. And uh, I, I think that would really help. Moving on to the defensive side of the ball, uh, I think we can say this was, if not the easiest, definitely one of the easiest uh, matchups assignments the Ravens defense has had in the past few seasons, I would say. Uh, Desmond Ritter, um, we'll see. Maybe he'll be a good quarterback in the NFL someday, but right now looks overmatched at the NFL level. Uh, Traveling to play his first road game in the NFL, uh, we said in, in freezing temperatures, up north, uh, just we, we were not expecting this offense to be anything that was going to give the Ravens defense any fits. And I think we can exit this game saying that's exactly what happened. Uh, even when they did move the ball, some, uh, just very unprofessional miscues, things you don't really see at the NFL level on their offense allowed the Ravens to get easy stops here to prevent touchdowns. Uh, we saw the return of fruit punch, uh, on an excellent, strip of a fourth down completion to Drake London. The Ravens are able to get a fumble recovery there, take that out. Uh, we saw a stop on on fourth and goal from uh, Roquan Smith, busting through the line, wrapping up Algier for a loss. Uh, yeah, it, it was a game that was such an easy assignment. I question if we can even say that we learned anything about the defense here because it was like the, the, the Falcons offense was so utterly outmatched the Ravens defense really had nothing there to to really challenge themselves, it felt. Uh, I don't know about that. Uh, Algier, I think, was a little scary, especially toward the end of the game. I think he started ripping off a couple of chunk plays. Uh, they had a little bit of success in there. I mean, obviously, you know, relative to the Ravens run game, not as much. But um, I think the Falcons did stick with it a lot, and it had a little bit of success later on in the game. Um, I think, you know, I think I was – Exposing a little bit, I think, on uh, some of our outside linebackers and, and some of the D-line. Um, you know, guys like you know Roquan, I think, had to uh, cover a lot of ground, be able to push those guys out, out of bounds. Um, but more on the positive side, too. I mean, I thought, um, you know, guys like Brandon Stevens, I thought he had a pretty solid game. Uh, the, the Oscar win, uh, not included. Uh, did you guys see that, by the way? Did uh, the what he tweeted out after the game? Yes, <laughs> yeah. oh, I, I didn't. Brandon Stevens. Yeah, yeah. He he tweeted a picture of an, of an Oscar after after oh, the game for, of the, his, the, for his the flop flag. for the yeah. for the flag. <laughs> yeah, that was probably one of my like best like one of my favorite moments during the game too because we were on the visiting sidelines so we could just see Arthur Smith <laughs> just in front of us just looking so upset. We're just like he's flopping. Ah. Yeah. Oh, dude. I, I fully expected Arthur Smith to, to keel over with a heart attack at some point in that game. I don't know how much you guys could see <laughs> from yeah. the stadium. It sounded like you could see some of it, but man, the the cam the telecast pro, uh, cameras kept showing him, and the the man was is like it it was it made Jim Harbaugh look uh, like you know I don't know someone someone in a sauna. It was just <laughs> he was going crazy. Yeah. Yeah. We we could we could actually hear it because we ended up. Uh, being down in the lower bowl. 
So we were, we were like right there. You could hear, yeah. like we could actually hear. Uh, I, I enjoyed a, I could hear a couple of fun, fun sayings from the uh, yeah. when, when uh, JPP missed a tackle on what could have been a third down stop, uh, he, he let out an expletive, <laughs> which also was caught up on the TV copy, which was really great. I was like, oh man, it's kind of funny how that works out sometimes. But, uh, yeah, no, that that flop was something else. Um, you know, I'm glad we got that call. Honestly, the refs were not particularly great to the Falcons in this game. Got to point out when it happens. It got some home field advantage there. And I definitely – I get what you're saying where we're – I'm not sure how much we can gather about the defense from this performance. It let, They let up too many plays, in my opinion, even though they always – slopped them when it counted uh you know maybe through a system of the, the refs for the one but another way other one other times actually they made big plays in the red zone big plays when they were driving i just i don't love living by that it's not particularly sustainable um and i just thought that i was a little i'm a little concerned right now about marcus uh or other about um marlon humphrey just a little concerned. Really? He's been getting, he's been getting yeah, yeah, I'm a little concerned. Interesting. Because, I, I, all right, so Pickens got him, right? Didn't have the greatest game against Pickens. He had a bounce back game, and he had the, the fruit punch, but he actually let up a decent amount of catches to London. And I'm not saying that London's not good and that it can't be allowed, but there were, there were a couple times where I felt like he was out of position on London, and uh, in this game, that, that, that fruit punch might be what's skewing our view of him in this game. I don't know. That's just how I saw it. And I'm worried going into another Pickens matchup and then Jamar Chase uh, and, and T Higgins and all these players. Like, it's just like, I, I hope, I hope he gets back to that like super high level. Cause he definitely had some like really good coverage snaps too. Don't get me wrong. Like in the end zone, that one fade route to uh, London, he covered really well. Um, I'm not saying he's playing poorly. I just like, I think we need him to be the all pro Marlo. Uh, and I'm not, fully sure if he's all the way there right now i mean i i do hear what you're saying Uh, drake london did have seven catches for 96 yards in the game he did have some catches that were uh very very good very highlight level um i am of the belief still that drake london is the best wide receiver from this class he just happens to play in the absolute worst offense in this league so his numbers look not great compared to Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. And I think that statement is backed up by the fact that last year, Kyle Pitts broke the uh, single season record for a rookie as far as tight end receiving goes and had an absolutely atrocious season this year. Um, something sticks out there uh, as not terribly great. Like a player doesn't have that huge of a drop off, if not because of the guy throwing him the football. Um, but I mean, the thing with London, it, it was all empty calories though. Like at no point did I feel like this offense was ever in danger of putting up actual points in this game. And to me, like that's, that's to me what I look at as far as whether defense did their job or not, because we would love to see a performance where a team like this never crosses the 50 yard line those are rare even even with the 2000 ravens that was that was rare it's just i mean the uh, the opposites the opposition is going to to put up yards but um 
you know, I, I just look at what the Ravens gave up and none of it to me ever looked terribly that good. I will say, yeah, I understand Algier had a couple plays here and there. And when you look at those plays, uh, there were two plays in particular. One of them was on Patrick Queen. The other one was on Kyle Hamilton, where Algier really should have been wrapped up in the backfield. Like they, they had good position um, and they were right there to make it. And it was just a poor tackle. And he was able to take both those gains up for about a 15 plus yards. So that is something if we want to nitpick. Um, but I think the tackling overall has been very good. So I, the way I look at it is, sure, they put up yards. But overall, I think that offense had more negative plays than positive in the game. And so for me, I I don't know. I don't look at this as, as really anything of concern with the Ravens defense, aside from the fact that Marcus Peters and Calais Campbell are still out. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, I just want to add one, I guess one thing to kind of back you up, Peter, on like Marlowe, at least. Um, I thought there were at least two fairly big catches from London. One of them, Hamilton was actually in coverage. Um, so I think he kind of let up one one. And then one, I think it was almost like a, uh, I guess it must have been like a, a zone coverage or something, but Marcus kind of, uh, Marcus Williams sort of, um, moved into more of a shallow zone. So he was actually the underneath defender. And I think Ritter ended up putting it up. And, you know, Marcus, I guess, was trying to go for the pick, but he didn't realize that London has a huge wingspan. <laughs> and then so the catch just went <laughs> over him and he was able to bring it down. I think Marlowe was probably trailing at that point. So, um, yeah, I mean, like, you know, and then it just for those two plays in particular, just, you know, not all the stats kind of went uh, to London. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, one thing I, I, I feel like I take away from that of just London has an insane wingspan. Um, I mean, we're talking about Kyle Hamilton having a big wingspan, like London's, I mean, just like his ability to go up and get the ball. I mean, that's pretty crazy. I, I feel like the, I feel like maybe Mike Evans, like prime Mike Evans might have been similar, but like maybe Julio Jones, but like it's really rare to find that. So, I mean, if we're talking about matchups, you know, future matchups. I mean, Pickens is a little bit larger, but not as big as London. Uh, Chase, obviously, a very different player from both of them. So I'm not sure, like, in terms of, like, Marlon and his ability to be able to keep up on those guys. Like, I, I don't, I wouldn't say that that's a fair comparison. So I, I wouldn't say that it's a concern. Um, but, uh, but yeah, anyway, I, I thought it was okay. It was a battle. I think, um, I do think Marlon got a couple of wins this game. I didn't feel like, it was one-sided for sure, but uh, but yeah, I mean, with a a physical freak like London like that, I I think sometimes you're gonna you're gonna give stuff up like that if if you don't have the physicality on the other side to be able to match some of that, you know. For sure, and I mean, yeah, don't want to take anything away from Drake London. I think he's gonna be a good player in this league. Uh, just uh, so one of my concerns. If we flip to the other side, though, cornerback wise, Stevens, I thought filled in pretty well for Marcus Peters. He was involved in a couple of drive ending plays. Um, didn't get picked on too much, despite the fact that uh, I thought you know maybe that would be the the strategy they wanted to go down. Um, overall, I think he played a good game, and they actually trusted him in some coverage. I was a little surprised by. Um, there was a time when uh, we kind of did a zero blitz and had him in coverage with no help, and they threw a deep against him, and the ball was not on target, thankfully. But uh, 
you know, he was, he was, he had pretty good coverage. It could have been a disaster. Like I could, if it better to throw him ball, I think it could have been a big play, but, um, it'd be a battle for sure. We'll see. But, uh, yeah, I thought he, I thought he played pretty well. And then when we look at Clayus Campbell being out, um, Broderick Washington had another monster game, just a really dominant player this year. One of the biggest highlights, um, for the Ravens and their depth, uh, and Isaiah Mack had a pretty good game too. Um, Harbaugh called him out during the press conference saying that he had a good game. He was then cut on Monday and then picked up off waivers by Seattle today. So uh, super disappointing, in my opinion, <laughs> that we lost him. I don't know why we cut him. I was a little surprised by that. Um, Josh Bynes, our boy, Josh Bynes back on the practice squad. Another roster move that we made. But uh, yeah, so Mack's gone. And with Clayus Campbell's return unclear, I think they're going to have to, um, I guess he's, uh, Crawford. I, I think he's still around, <laughs> you know, from the practice squad and, and fill in for some snaps if Clayus is not able to play. Yeah. I thought that was a really odd move. Uh, I don't know what you gain by <laughs> cutting Mac at this point. Uh, you know, it's, it's so late in the season to, to just throw someone else in there. It just seems odd. Um, especially, yeah, I agree. He was, his play was evident in run defense this week. I felt like there was a couple times he got penetration. Uh, and like we said in the preview, it's the Falcons may be a bad offense, but they've got a very good offensive line. So for him to perform that well against one of the better units in the league, uh, interesting, uh, but you know, not a move that I think is going to make or break the year for the Ravens. Uh, so not one I'm thinking too hard about, but yeah, I agree. It is a bit of a head scratcher. Yeah, just to, to kind of wrap up too, um, just some other observations that I kind of had on the defensive side. Uh, Roquan Smith, again, uh, the guy's a monster. I mean, I feel like I haven't looked at him closely the last couple of weeks, but this game in particular uh, led the team, seven tackles, eight assists, so 15 combined tackles. I mean, the guy is just play recognition. Run plays is unmatched. Um, his ability to be able to get off blocks, I mean... I like I hate to say it, but it's just like it, it's Ray Lewis like of of just like being able to like you know you see the hole on TV and you're like okay that's where you need to be able to go to be cut off the play, um, but you have these like big linemen in the way right you have to have the physicality to be able to take on blocks bounce off them be able to get in there there were a couple of those I thought he just he did a fantastic job um, even play recognition on on pass plays of of being able to know like okay the ball is going to go here and I'm going to be here immediately to go and make the tackle um, plays that get outside where somebody else lets it up and then he has to go track down the ball carrier on the sidelines a couple of those as well um, I think there was a run play I think to like the left side he had to hustle for like up 15 yards or something to be able to intercept the ball carrier push him out of bounds um, yeah Roquan and adding him in here, man, is really, really, it's it's just awesome. It really solidified this position group with him and Queen playing so well now. It's just, it's great. Queen himself didn't have as many solo tackles, but he actually had nine tackles overall, eight assists. Um, so he also had a pretty strong game in, in my opinion. But but yeah, Roquan, definite beast. Uh, other thing too, uh, Alec, I feel like I, I've been taking your spot the last couple of weeks, but Hamilton, I wanted to look up, you know, Peter, you mentioned earlier he had a negative play, but I feel like there are a couple plays in there. Like he has some positive plays. It doesn't show up on the stat sheet. I think he only ended up having three combined tackles, but um, he's just so valuable as this slot defender, you know, box defender. Uh, a couple plays that I really like that I called out in Q three. 
Um, you know, he was called on a blitz. Uh, he was able to run right past Algier, kind of jump up into Ritter's face and force an incompletion. Uh, I think he was maybe trying to get a, the ball over Hamilton's arms to be able to Algier. Um, couldn't do it. Hamilton's arms are too long. Uh, <laughs> it's just it forced a little bit too high. Uh, but there was that. There was another one in uh, the third quarter. Uh, Hamilton sniffed out a screen to the wide receiver. Uh, he missed a tackle, but he basically blew right by the blocker um, and, you know, uh, forced it back, uh, forced all the tacklers to be able to come in. I think Roquan ended up getting that tackle. But um, there's a couple plays like that that's of just this season I, where I've seen Hamilton do that exact same thing of recognize the wide receiver screen, get out in front of it. And if he doesn't make the tackle, he's going to push the guy back that he's blocking into the other guy. And then there's going to be a tackle for a loss. Overall, a great play by the defense. Um, yeah, and there was another one, uh, a wide receiver jet sweep. Instead of a screen, uh, you have a jet sweep. Uh, same thing, blocks tight end back into the runner, and then Rokon uh, you know, finishes the tackle. So a lot of just really great plays. Um, again, we're talking about play recognition from Roquan. I think Hamilton's got it, um, especially on the plays in front of him. I think he's got really, really good uh, football IQ from that perspective. So, yeah, just uh, just excited to watch him, man. He's uh, he's he's gonna be a, he's gonna be a good player. I wish we had a video podcast. I just have a, a nice little smile on my face the whole time. <laughs> Chris is going through <laughs> that, uh, that thing. Yeah, it, it Hamilton's great. Uh, a lot of fun to watch him, and I just am very excited for his career and where he'll be next. Uh, you know, for the Ravens, I just think uh, seems like the sky's the limit because uh, Kevin Cusick was talking about it on his show today uh, that like we drafted him for a bunch of skills that he doesn't really necessarily use in this slot corner role that we have him in. So like these are like maybe unknown or previously un undervalued traits of his that just increases his value even more so really great player a lot of fun and i want to say i've been doing a little bit of aaron crawford uh research turns out he's on the practice squad of the chargers now he's no longer with the ravens and nichols is the only defensive tackle so it makes sense why they brought in uh uh donovan jeter and christian ringo to try out today because uh we don't really have any more uh defensive linemen to, to call up so they, they need to boost that in the practice squad <sighs> anyways little little update <laughs> i think another person deserves a watch is uh roquan uh guy is just blowing up plays sideline sideline 15 tackles he was involved in just a uh, remarkably productive player and um you know I was uh, having good football conversations with people over the holidays with, with friends and family, and, and the, the consensus is clear. Everyone wants Roquan. Uh, they don't care the price. They're like, he is a playmaker. He changes the defense. It is worth it. Like, sign me up for $20 million, which also got me down the rabbit hole of looking at our cap situation and like, good luck, EDC. It's not going to be fun. <laughs> if, you're, if, you're t- if you're tagging Lamar, it's not going to be fun. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking about cap stuff. I'm waiting until the end of the season thinking about more cap stuff. But yeah, in a vacuum, uh, like like you just said, and Chris earlier, Roquan, uh, the, this this is a type of game that's made for was made for an interior linebacker, right? Like the 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 coverages that the Ravens were doing, they, they knew that the Falcons really weren't going to challenge deep much. It, they, they were going to run more of a, a throwback offense, much more uh, rushing oriented than. Um, majority of NFL teams will do. Uh, 
it, it was it, it, Roquan basically had what was a throwback game, a, a throwback to the early 2000s when we started watching football. It, it looks like that type of linebacking game, and it was just really fun to watch because you don't get to see that a ton in today's NFL. So great game from him. And, uh, you know, we talked about Hamilton. Uh, Hamilton, like we said, great game and run support as well as some good and tough in coverage. And uh, I felt like uh, Chuck Clark, uh, you know, he's he's there's been some games where he hasn't been – uh, as visible, I think. Uh, but I feel like he was around the ball quite a bit in run support this game. Uh, just had a lot of great plays in, in run defense there as well. As well as Travis Jones. Travis Jones, I think, shined a lot in this game as well. He was in the backfield quite a bit, uh, made some wrap-up tackles. Uh, you know, you go down the list, there's a lot of players here who, who played really well, and we could keep going on. But I think those are definitely... Uh, the standouts uh, actually, you know, a little surprising. Tyus Bowser, a guy who's been having a great year, was a little silent in this matchup. Uh, I'm not going to look too much into that, but I just found that surprising. It seemed like a game where he might be able to feast, maybe get a sack or two, uh, but just wasn't really um, didn't make his, his name as noticed as some of these other guys on the list. But yeah, uh, very good performance by the defense. Um, you guys convinced me that that maybe the Falcons did try a little harder than I thought they did. Uh, I still think that you know it was mostly empty calorie yardage, but still, you know, credit to the Ravens' defense, uh, they made it look easy. I think the last thing we need to talk about with this game, uh, I, I don't know if there's much to really talk about aside from the to just vent that for the second week in a row we were deprived of seeing a Justin Tucker long kick get uh, completed due to a block. And I don't know. It's interesting because this is, like we've said, special teams is a huge part of this franchise. Uh, To see that happen on back-to-back weeks is something that is a bit of a concern. You're going to think that teams are going to try and and attack that, particularly because we know the Ravens are so reliant on field goals with the red zone issues that they're having. Um, So not much more to say about that, but hopefully that gets... uh, cleaned up i don't know if you guys have had a chance to watch those film more in depth to see if there's a particular portion of the uh coverage um i think i saw alec raise his hand there so he might have no I, I was to pointing here. to chris no, no, no he's, <laughs> pointing, <laughs> he's 100 pointing to me and yeah i'm I, i'm like i'm unsure at this point how much further down this rabbit hole I'm, i i should go because like <laughs> I, I watch i watch both plays so i know what the opponents were doing and unfortunately to me, it's like, well, it's not the same. It's not like they ran the same field goal defense on both sure. tries. They're actually totally different. Um, and I had like the player who let it, who let up, uh, the, the block was different on both of them. But then I started asking myself questions of like, well, if we're defending a field goal, what are, what are you coached to do? Like what, like, I don't, I don't know anything a- aspect of that. For most people, it's just like, you literally just stand there and like put your arms up and then like, you know, things are good. So, <laughs> but like in terms of like, you know, how are you actually supposed to play it as like a, from a player's perspective? Like I have no idea and I don't know how much further I need to go down here, but, uh, but yeah, it, it, it is a concern. Um, against the Browns, it was a pretty, it was like an even rush. So you had five rushers to both sides. Um, also looked up in the rule book, you can't have more than six on one side, which I think I do remember that because <laughs> a couple of years ago, I think people started trying to put like seven or eight rushers on one side to be able to really overload. You can't do that. 
um, but you can do six. But anyway, against the Browns, you had five on both sides, and it just looked like somebody got in between Nick Moore and Powers and then was just able to elevate and get their arms up. Uh, so I guess that would be like the A-gap, I believe. Um, against the Falcons, they had an overload to the left, so they had six people rushing on the left, and it looked like they just got between Moses and uh, McCary. Um, I don't know if it was just a maybe Moses didn't block the right guy or or something because it kind of ended up looking like he was like sort of blocking nobody. Um, you just sort of have one guy kind of get between, and, and McCarry was kind of uh, bull rushed on his other side, so there was nobody to block the guy who ended up blocking the kick. I don't know. Yeah, it's at the end of the day, like I don't know. There wasn't anything to me that kind of stood out that were like, oh, that's a, like. Like, hey, it's like this guy here, like, you know, replace that guy. And like, you know, that's that's your problem. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just in general, though, just like, look, yeah, special teams are MO. Like, why has this happened? This is our it's already been rare enough to have a block. I mean, I can't remember a season that we've had more than one, especially back to back games. I can't remember anything like that. They're pretty rare. But uh, I feel like that's significant. And I've, it's just concerning to me that, like, nobody's asked about it. Like, in all the pressers, like, nobody mentions anything about special special teams. Like, I mean, I get that the offense kind of sucks and we don't score touchdowns. <laughs> but, but, like, that's not a new problem. <laughs> special teams seems like a new problem. So, I don't know. Is it going to be three in a row? I hope not. Get this man some press credentials. Let's go. Let's get him to the podium. <laughs> yeah. I got some questions to ask. Someone's got to ask it. Yeah, if not, maybe we uh, we can see if somebody will give us a give us a question. Maybe uh, I'm surprised, like Jeff C. You know, yeah. Well, you know, he's got at the the leave right now. You know, he might be on thinking about other things. I I think we gotta go. We gotta go to somebody. We gotta got. I think we got a couple people who get to ask questions that are like aware of the show. We can uh we can go say hi. <laughs> be like people want to know. At least one podcast wants to know. <laughs> America needs to know. Yeah. I think it's an interesting thing. I think we should have a watch. We should have special teams watch. No one else is doing it. We're here for it. Uh, so tune in next time. Hopefully there's no more blocked field goals for the rest of the year. But um, we'll be keeping an eye on the coverages. I will say one thing I've always noticed in, in field goal blocking is it, it, it always feels like to me that it's never the first kick. And I think it's like based off how they block the first kick, the team decides if they're even going to try to block a field goal. I, I, I definitely, I can say with confidence, it doesn't look like the same level of effort is given on uh, field goal blocking plays every time. <laughs> and like, yeah, there's definitely like a level of like, oh, I think there's a vulnerability. Like we see they're actual humans and then we're like, oh, let's try this or whatever. I don't know. It, it's just, uh, it's weird to me. I've always been surprised by the lack of effort on certain blocks like attempts and i'm wondering if it's because they don't really try unless it's past like n yards because they figure the trajectory they just don't have a chance i don't know yeah it's one of those like really weird plays to to scout too because like you know you might get like four five per game or something like if you're really lucky Mm -hmm. um you know there's not the sample size is just so small and then after that you know you gotta go to like multiple games and yeah Yeah. it's just hard (laughs) i agree this is the first week we didn't have Duvernay as our returner. So uh, Prochet got punt return duty. Hill got kickoffs. I thought Prochet showed a little bit of promise, but like on rewatch, it was just like, you know, whatever. Uh, 
And then, and then Hill like kind of just ran straight into people constantly. I don't know. I don't know. It's disappointing to lose a guy like Duvernay, even though we were discussing it looked like he had messed up vision and, and decision-making for a little bit there, but uh, definitely, you know, it's a step down uh, undeniably. Pressing, I think might be the word there. Pressing to make a play. We go into our MVPs. Got a win. We got fresh taste in our mouth of MVPs. Sure, let's do it. I'll start out with mine. Uh, talked about him earlier. I'm going to go with Roquan Smith. Um, Peter, I thought you brought it up best. Uh, real throwback game. Uh, just all over the field. I uh, love watching him. Um, he stood out to me, I think, the most out of uh, uh, the whole defense. So uh, good job, Roquan. This is a tough one because I feel like this was – a game where it really was all about the team, uh, all about everyone doing a little bit to chip in on this game. But uh, I'll give it to Gus the bus, man. Uh, he had the big runs at the end of the game that really just demoralized the Falcons' defense, turned the clock out, made sure that the Falcons uh, didn't have a chance to get back into the game. Uh, fun fact about Gus Edwards, uh, him and Nick Chubb, only running backs in NFL history to start uh, the first three years of their career with at least five yards per carry. Uh, and with this week's game, uh, he went back over the five yard per carry average uh, for this season. But with two games left, he might be able to do it for a fourth time in a row. Again, just in the, in the entire NFL history, just him and Nick Chubb will have done that. So uh, great game from the very efficient Gus the Bus. That's a really cool stat. My meme is going to be Sammy Watkins because he doesn't even know what he means to this team as far as being a wide receiver wearing 82 with dreads on a potential Super Bowl run, playoff ticket time. He just is unaware. He's unaware what he means to this team. But my actual one, it's tempting to go Hamilton to be on brand, but I'm going to go with Broderick Washington, who I thought had just a really great game. Matt Abike had a pretty good game, good game too. We didn't talk about him during the re, uh, recap. But I definitely think Broderick Washington and his ability to take two blockers on uh, still get some penetration, still break up plays, draw holding penalties. Really um, a great, great game by him. And we'll need all the help we can get with the defensive line after that conversation. So uh, just great to see that we have a guy that can step up. That wraps up this episode of One Winning Pod. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at One Winning Pod and find us on YouTube, One Winning Pod there as well. We'll be back later in the week to talk about the Steelers, the home matchup, now Sunday night football. Got another night tailgate. Very exciting times. But uh, we'll cover that game, uh, this time with Chris involved. So it'd be great to have Chris's opinions on the Steelers and talk about that with him. And, uh, yeah, definitely make sure to check it out this week. Go Ravens.